you're chillin' and uh, you will hear about the eliminating of the negative and the axing on a positive. And gather round me, chillin', if you're willing, and sit tight while I start reviewing the attitude of doom. Is this thing on? Oh, yes, it is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird and Friends. Hello, Frugalisters, and welcome. Today I have a very special guest, but before I introduce my guest, I have some news that I would like to share, and that is I am so excited to announce that I have my first ever course. It's going to be running from the 8th of June online for six weeks. On Monday nights, there will be an interactive call and worksheets, and already I have some people signed up and I know it is going to be a fabulous dynamic in this group. For details, I'll put them in the show notes, but head to my website, joyfulfrugalista.com and head to shop. And I so look forward to having many of you on this course. And now to my very special guest who has so patiently waited while I explained it that, but she will not mind at all because she is a sales coach. I'm pleased to be joined by Misty Henkel, who is author of Overcoming Obscurity, How to Get Noticed in the Marketplace so that you can make more money. Misty and I attend networking groups together, notably Business at Breakfast, and we used to be in Zonta together. Welcome, Misty. Hello. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. And I know you've read my book. I always ask my guests for one frugalista tip. But in your case, I'm going to ask this first because I know that this is something you're very passionate about. Mine, I really love the section on the groceries. So I have struggled for years to get the grocery bill down. Just reading how you did your groceries, like the 12-month challenge of just $50 a week, and I was like, yeah, okay, that can never happen. And while I can't get mine down to $50 a week, I had decided with my children, I'd been promising to take them to the snow, I like skiing too, that if I could get the bill down each week, then that money would be left, what's left over will go back into a ski trip. My cupboards were already reasonably bare. It's had us really pick the ingredients and decide that when we get near to the end of the week and we don't really have anything left, you know what, it's just bacon and eggs until it's done, you know, (laughs) like to teach us not to go back to the shop. I thought that was really good because the shop for one thing is $50 later. And that's really where it sort of all spins out of control. And so I've saved over $1,200 since Christmas time. So that's like in four months, $1,200 towards a ski trip. Wow, that is amazing. And how long do you plan to go skiing for? Well, it was only for like two days. You're done. I know, right? (laughs) You you have saved for a family holiday just by reducing your grocery shop and probably reducing waste as well, I'm guessing. Yes, absolutely. So, I, there, yeah, there is no waste. I have a Thermomix and I utilise it more. Even when the boys say, no, 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 I don't like veggies. That's cool. We're getting veggie soup and you'll have it. <laughs> That's what gets us skiing. And then we can have something else. <laughs> Capitalising that whole soup thing was a really great tip as well. Mm, everything tastes better in a soup. And actually for vegetables that are just a little bit dry and sad and getting a bit, like particularly things like carrots and things like that, Put them in a soup. They'll rehydrate them. They'll be fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. I really liked your tip on uh, with the pumpkins, how you got a pumpkin from a friend, you made pumpkin soup mm. and then it cost you nothing. So oh, my father-in-law has a pumpkin patch. I got like one or two pumpkins last year, but it didn't occur to me to go, 
you know what, hand over everything that you're not using. Like, it literally has this huge, like the whole backyard is a pumpkin patch. And I'm like, oh, my God, I could have just got heaps and then I wouldn't be buying sweet potatoes and mm-hmm. all those other things because I could just utilise some pumpkins. So, yeah, I'm going to capitalise on that this year. And often it's just saying to someone, look, I really appreciate the fact you gave me those pumpkins. Sometimes if someone's given me something amazing and then I'm using it, I will go back to them several weeks later and say, you know what, this is amazing. Actually, this time last year, because I remember it was Mother's Day and they had the Hoskingstown roast, at the end of the day they had some leftover vegetables and someone in Neil's community who's big in the CWA, lovely lady, she gave me this pumpkin and it was the most beautiful pumpkin and she said, no, just take it for free because we don't want to take this home, we've actually sold out. So about a week later, I dropped her a message just to say, look, that pumpkin was just had the most amazing flavor. Thank you so much. And I made it in a Japanese pork stir fry and it was amazing. And then I think when you, you, you tell people how much you appreciate it, they're much more likely to give it to you next time, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's not a matter of saying, well, I want 50 kilos next year. I <laughs> know, <laughs> right? And it's had me realize, so uh, last year when... Woolworths was giving out the seeds, you know, when you did your grocery shop, they were mm-hmm. giving out seeds, like little garden. Well, my Noah, who's now eight, he went full force with that and decided to grow everything. And he grew everything. We've been eating stuff out of his garden. We've been having, um, there's been beetroots. We've discovered the secret to growing carrots in a really soft soil. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they end up looking like a beetroot, Swiss chard, tomatoes. There was heaps of other things. And I was given some mint when we moved into um, space here and then I forgot to water it for like four weeks. And he said, don't worry, Mum, I'll just put it in the garden and water it. About three weeks later, this massive bush of mint. Like, <laughs> I've just gone, wow, you brought that back to life. But it's it's a surprise how much you can save by just having a few herbs in the garden mm-hmm. and not have to go down the street, get them, add them into the grocery. But like, it's amazing how it brings things down. Yeah, it is. We are not able to grow a lot because we're in an apartment and the balcony we have doesn't get much sun, unfortunately. We're starting to grow a few things in the courtyard. One of the other residents in our apartment block is really keen on the idea, so we've bought some plastic tubs and we've put them out the back. And we are really a bit limited and I miss that. Even so, we still manage to grow parsley, basil, mint, sage I did have some Vietnamese mint for a while I'm growing Brussels sprouts at the moment we've got aloe vera in the past we've had chili I'm looking at Neil to see what else is out there because I can't remember the most expensive tomatoes the most expensive tomatoes he said our tomatoes didn't do so well but this is even like with really challenged balcony that doesn't get much sun we can still manage to grow some things and it does make a huge difference because if you're going to buy a bunch of parsley that's two three dollars and it's just, it's there when you need it. I know. Otherwise you go, yeah, I'm not going to get it. And then you cook something you think, no, oh, I kind of needed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what are you going to do? Run down the street, spend 50 bucks on junk food while you're just grabbing your one parsley. So it does make a, it makes a huge difference. I think so. It's all those little things that add up. But mainly today, I want to talk to you about selling and marketing. But let's start with sales first. The prospect of having to sell things, selling yourself, selling a product, selling business, this is one of the things that many people are just terrified about. Now, what's so scary about selling? It costs money. Selling things costs money. And the truth is, is everybody has emotion around money. To sell something means you're swapping something for money. Then we start to put in our emotions of, oh my God, 
how we feel about money and then wonder how they feel about money and do they have it? Can they afford it? The truth is, is we grow up for somehow when we're tiny, we discover coins and we think they're the greatest thing on the planet. Mm -hmm. And it's not wrong. They are. They're great, right? We think that they're great. And so we want them. We don't really know what it's about, but we know that we want them. And we do know that we, you need money, the word money to get, you know, like the chocolate bar or whatever, right? We start off not having any, we see it, we want it, we want more because we want the things that money can buy. And then as we get bigger and we ask for more things, our parents can say, I don't have the money, I don't have the money, don't ask me to buy, I'm not going to buy it for you, we can't afford it. Oh, yes, we can't afford it. Talk about a limiting belief. (laughs) I know, right? But then if you step yourself up, right, so we can't afford it or you can't have it and it costs money and I can't, whatever, right? So then kids start looking for ways to make money or get money. Right. But they're limited because they can't just, you know, at seven years old, you can't just go off and work and get a job. So now they've got to come up with ways to get money. When they finally do get around to earning money, so they become old enough to get a job and they spend the money, they spend it on everything because they've finally got it, right? So we spend it, we waste it, we wish we had it, and then later we didn't save it. Then we wish, oh, I really want to go on that trip. I should have saved my money before. We get the money. We know it will keep coming. We make mistakes with it. Sometimes we don't, sometimes we save. So we put such a big deal into the money and then we've made mistakes. It was hard to get. Then it became easy. So I spent it. Now I've lost it. Now I've got to start again. Now I'm in debt. Like there's so much that sits behind it. But when it comes time to swapping something for money, we start to freak out. Oh, my God, am I doing the, am I doing the right thing? What am I going to do with the money that I get? Am I going to make another mistake with it? Am I going to save it here? What did I plan on getting with it? So we always want it. We never really know what we're going to do with it. We just know that we kind of need it. And then we get concerned that the other person's feeling anxious about money. The reason sales becomes so anxious-ridden, causes so much anxiety, is the money fact that sits behind it. So when I teach sales, I teach overcoming sales anxiety. And the first thing I do is let's just take the emotion out of money. Mm. It's just a thing. In the olden days, if you were a butcher and I was a baker, I'd swap bread for meat with you. (laughs) If you made shoes and I made cheese, then I would swap some of my cheese so that your kids can eat for shoes so that my kids could walk outside in the street. Now, all we've done is just put a money amount onto the thing that we're swapping and everything costs money. So it's about turning it into a fact and then from there, find that it's easier for people to talk about the thing that they're selling, their skills, their service or their product, and then they can start to move forward with that. Mm, I think you're right that uh, treating the anxiety, the underlying anxiety and the value of money as the first step is really important there. And I can see that you must really be able to work with people to bring them forward. Why is being able to sell such an important skill? It's the fundamentals of everything, the whole thing in life. Teaching sales training in regards to swapping a product, service or a skill for money is important. But at the end of days is we need to sell people on everything. It's a life skill. You need to sell your kids on vacuuming the house. <laughs> you got to sell your, your husband on going on that holiday that you want to go on, not what everybody else wants to do. You've got to be selling all the time. You know, if you want everybody to turn up to your birthday party, you got to sell that to them. Make that good. Weddings, great example. Mm-hmm. How much does a bride have to sell that to her community to get them to turn up? 15 months in advance, tell them, you know, what sort of cake, get everybody all vibed up. 
And even leading up to that event, people were still complaining, yeah, but I've got to take this much time off and it's going to cost me this much money and then I don't know if my dress is right. Funny though, if it was a funeral, which costs a lot of money, it's put together in about four days, people rock up, seconds notice, they don't complain, they're all sad, sure, but I mean, they don't complain, they get in there and they have a good time and want to stay for longer. Isn't it interesting, right? Unless we're in the middle of a pandemic where you can't all come for a funeral and and if you do, you don't have a wake. But yes, you're right. It's like it's it's an obligation. If there's a funeral, you drop everything and you go. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to sell that too hard, but you still have to sell, you know, we're having a funeral and would you like to come? But you don't have to sell that one hard, funnily. Other thing, you have to sell a lot harder. So it is a skill that we need, but also I believe that everybody should know how to be able to bring in their own money. Some people lost their jobs. You work in a pub, you've lost your job until they're going to reopen that pub. So there is no money coming in. You are subject to the economy that's left. If you know how to sell, you can create your own economy. So you're not subject to what's lying around you now. You can you can bring in your own money. And the secret, the real secret to selling is, besides overcoming sales anxiety, but besides deleting your emotion around money, it's less about trying to get someone to buy something and more about just practicing talking about this thing that you're doing and bringing people in to hear you speak about it. Because by default, people will buy. There'll be a, a, a good 10% will buy. One out of 10 will buy without any trouble at all. They hear you talk about it. Oh, I like that. Actually, I want that. Oh, I've been thinking about that. Most of the people won't buy. But it's about practicing telling many people. And over over the course of keep telling people, more people will buy and your, your sales will increase without you trying that hard, really. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, for me, when I guess a lot of the purchases I make, particularly things like books, are when I've heard the author speak with conviction about their why, about why they were so passionate about something. And I might not buy it straight away. Like it might be three months, it might be six months, might even be a year later. I've bought a number of Louise Hayes books over the years, for yes. instance, and I was, I guess, a member of her online community for a long time before I even bought a book. Yeah, You follow the affirmations, you follow things. I will still buy, just maybe not straight away. It takes me a little while to get familiar, I think, with, with some of the products. And I'm frugal. I don't spend a lot of money, but I still spend money. I still buy things. Yeah, yeah. So different people will have their own sort of shopping way. But let's take you and me as an example. So we've both got books. We've both written books. We're both authors now. We've got our own book, Mine's Overcoming Obscurity. Yours is um, The Joyful Frugalista. Now, the difference between how many books we sell is only between how many people actually know we've got that book out in the first place. In, say, the, the business community and sales community, when I'm talking to people and they say, oh, look, so just have more people, which is the crux of my book, uh, Overcoming Obscurity, get known by more people and therefore you will sell more stuff. When I speak to people, they say, look, plenty of people know what it is that I sell. Really? Really? They do? Yeah. How many do you reckon? They might say, oh, you know, I spoke to 200 or 300 people. Really? Because there's 6 billion people on the planet. So if you compare your 200, 300, your 1,000, your 2,000 to 6 billion people on the planet, well, then clearly there's a bit of a gap as to how many people have the opportunity to buy and how many don't. And it's just sort of learning that, oh, if you just spread the word out further and further, it's all about you spreading your word. That is how you bring in sales easier and without making someone buy before they're ready because um, I don't believe in that. At all. You know, there's buyer's remorse that sits behind making someone buy before they're ready. Keep in contact with them and allow them to buy when they're ready, like you did. 
with Louise Hayes. I, I hear you there. There's a time and a place. Sometimes you might have a present coming up or sometimes you've got a friend who might just really need that message at a certain period of time. Well, you need that message at a certain period of time or you're going overseas and you want a good book to read or you want something else. Yeah, there's a time and a season and a place often, isn't it? It's not that you think, I definitely do not like that book. No. <laughs> you know, it takes um, three to seven times to hear something before you'll talk yourself into buying it. Wow. Three and seven, that's the average. So sometimes you think, oh, I bought that as soon as I saw it. Well, chances are you probably had a bit of an idea a long time ago. Or the next time you go to buy something, it'll just take you 10 times. You'll have to look at it 10 times. But that average is between three to seven. You'll talk yourself into it if someone shows up with their thing that many times. Mm. They might not even talk about their product and service, but if you know who they are and what they like, like you as an example, Serena, I met you a couple of times and then I heard you had a book. No kidding. Well, now I want it <laughs> because I've met you, a nice person, so I want to read your book. And that's because I'd met you a number of times, so I just wanted that thing that you created. If I hadn't met you, I'd be like, yeah, right, yeah, okay, you've written a book. And I would have met you a couple of times and gone, I've got to get around to getting that book. Still would have been the same sort of time frame, you know. Well, I'm embarrassed that you had to meet me a couple of times before you knew I'd read, written a book. And that is, uh, says a lot because I assume that everyone hears my same message over and over and that I should step back a bit because I'm a bit like a broken record. But the funny thing is not everyone hears the same thing. Sometimes when I talk, talk about simple things like my shopping tips, I assume everyone knows this because I wrote about that a couple of years ago. I do that. I've done blog posts about that. I've done podcasts about it, radio and TV about it. So I'm like, surely people must want something different. But there's still a lot of people who haven't heard those key messages. No, and we are so similar because I actually, I teach that, assume that everybody knows who you are and what you're talking about and that you're already best friends because I assume that we are. <laughs> you know, it's funny because... We were in Zonta together, but I'd been writing to you and in inviting you to Zonta because you were on the list, the, the mm -hmm. breakfast list, for, I don't know, it felt like a couple of years. I kept seeing your name show up mm -hmm. and I always wondered what the, the MS Frugal is was and I thought, oh, that must be a different, because it was different to your name and I thought, oh, maybe that's a maiden name or it means something else or I don't <laughs> know what that is. So it was really neat when you joined. I thought, oh, I have that chance, but I'll speak to someone else. And they said, oh, she's written a book. She's written a book. And it was only when I read the name of the book, I've gone, oh, I completely understand. Why did I Google that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, no, that was the old name of my uh, website was Ms. Frugliers. And when I published the book, they asked me to change the name of the website to the Joyful Frugalista in line with the new name of the book, which actually I was happy to do. But Zonda's a good example about the right time and the place because I went to the pre-loved fashion sale that the Zonta Club of Canberra Breakfast ran and I loved it. And I was really, really impressed with the vision and their commitment to empowering women. And I wanted to come to meetings, but at the time I was a single parent and there was no way known with two young children I could get to breakfast meetings. But then a couple of years later, I've remarried, I've got my Neil, my children are a little bit older. Neil can get them to school. It's not as bad as having to try and get a sulky two-year-old dressed. I'm now in a different time and space where I can make that commitment. And I guess what you're saying in a way is that sales is a bit similar sometimes, that a no doesn't necessarily mean, no, they hate me, it's terrible. But it could just mean it's not the right time right now. 
And you know, it's interesting, yes, because you're on that list and every month I wrote to, the list grew to over 100 of just visitors over the, the three years that I'd been doing it. And in that time, I didn't take people off the list unless they wrote to me and said, could you stop sending me an invitation? So I might not hear from anyone. I'll send out the invitation, just let you know, next meeting's on if you want to come. And I wouldn't hear from anyone or I wouldn't hear from like most of the people on that list, but I didn't take them off. I just kept sending it. They didn't say, don't send it to me. And then over time, different people have said, actually, I can come to a meeting now, or I'm so sorry, I've never corresponded back to you, or it only takes time. So some people recruited for two and a half years, some people for a little bit less, some people turned up the first month or two, disappeared, then rocked up much later and said, oh, this is where my health has been. And yeah, so it's um, in sales, we kind of, many people think, oh, they don't like it because they didn't answer. No, you just keep sending the message out and they'll either ask to be removed or be able to join in when they're ready to join in. And if you keep expanding the amount of people that you're telling, then it's not a big deal. You're not working any harder. You're just doing what you're doing. You're just doing it to a large group. Mm. And there's options these days with most mailing lists to unsubscribe. So if people don't want to hear the message, they can unsubscribe and if it's not too spammy, if it's just information, it's, it's, it's valid. If people don't want to hear the message, they can choose not to receive it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. This is a nice segue then into talking about networking, which I know is another thing that you are very passionate about and you are involved in a number of networking associations. Why is networking so important? Networking is the missing component to all sales. I remember working when I first came to Canberra, I was working at Fantastic Furniture. I'd just moved from being a barmaid for 10 years and then I'd moved into furniture sales, which to me was completely different until I discovered it's really about saying, hi, how are you going? Instead of saying, what would you like to drink? It was, what sort of furniture were you looking at? (laughs) But I remember moving from Wagga to Canberra and then saying to my boss, you know, all these hotels are getting built around here. Clearly, they'll need beds for those hotels. I understand the rest of the furniture in a hotel. They would have an idea of decor, and we may not have it. However, a bed base and a mattress is pretty standard. It's going to be covered in something, so it doesn't matter what it looks like as such. Like, it's not the design feature. It's just a a component of uh, the bedroom. So I said, so how do I find a hotel owner? And she said to me, if you work it out, can you let me know? Hmm. Working in furniture and they hadn't worked it out. Yeah, right? Because, you, you know, you send out the catalogs, you wait for people to come in, you service the people that come in the door. But how do you go out and find a person and make them come in the door? So this is where I really started to change my idea on, on sales. It wasn't until a number of years later. I'd gotten out of furniture, I'd gone into computers, and then I had babies. And then I started a course on life coaching because I had this plan for sales on life coaching they had to learn like the coaching aspect inside the life coaching course there was a component on networking so it had instructions this is what a networking event is this is what I want you to do and so I've rocked up so I'm planning on learning more about asking the question and listening and getting people to come up with their own answers so I've gone to this networking event to do the component the the class when I've turned up and talked to my first person I'm like, hi how are you going what do you do I still remember they work for Harworths and it's a um, a mortgage broker type. Um, it was a finance company. There are these two ladies and I was armed with my list of questions. What brings you out? How did you get here? Whatever it was. And then I spoke to them. And then the next person I spoke to was a cleaner. And then the next person I spoke to was somebody who, so she's kind of like a, a PR person. She hires 
speakers for big events or she yeah, passes on speakers to big events and things like that. And as I'm standing there talking to all these different people, what do you do, what do you do, what do you do? I've gone, wow, if ever I was to find the owner of a hotel, it would be in this room. Mm. And that's where I'd meet at a networking event. And I've gone, this is the missing component to sales. If I was in furniture on my own time, if I knew about this, why does nobody in hospitality or retail even know about it? But if I knew about it, because networking was originally a business professionals, accountants, lawyers, financial mm-hmm. planners, mortgage brokers. But if the retail community knew about it, I would have sold heaps. I would have gone out to networking events on my own time and said, hey, I work at Fantastic Furniture. I sell beds. You want one? I sell beds. You want one? Do you need a new mattress? Do you need a lounge? And I would have collected over time each one of those people as a customer, my own personal customer, because I've pulled them in to the store because I went out and found them and asked them, hey, you want to come back into the store? So that's why networking is so valuable and so important is it's your opportunity to meet people. And networkers are excited about hearing what other people do and if they get the chance to talk about themselves. They should talk about themselves more. They listen too much and so therefore they're out listening to everybody else's group but they're not advertising themselves. It's such an opportunity, one, to advertise yourself and to practice, but also to really find more people who will listen and are excited, whereas the people at home, another reason why sales is so uncomfortable is at home, the people that you live with say, yeah, 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 I get it. You, you know, let's say you're a hairdresser. You're a hairdresser, I get it. You love it, but you know what? Who's spending $25 on shampoo? Because family members will drag it down. We tend to then feel uncomfortable. <laughs> about it on their behalf so we have difficulty learning how to sell forward mm. but strangers want to hear all about it so go out find yourself a room full of strangers who i will add aren't going to kill you so growing up i was always taught that strangers will kill you beware of strangers which is now why i believe that so many people are frightened to go to networking events because mm. it's a room full mm. of strangers a room full of strangers trying to sell you things that sounds really scary <laughs> doesn't it <laughs> But you turn up two or three times and you realise unconsciously your brains are going, you know what, these people aren't going to kill me at all. I can turn up. These people are friends. My sons say to me, how do you have so many friends? Because I turn up and meet people on purpose. Like I literally go and say hi to strangers. Well, I must say from going, and you got me into some particular networking groups, uh, specifically a business at breakfast and also Mums in Business Association. I am just blown away with how collaborative it is as a community because people who are committed to business, they've been there and done that and they've got experience and they want to succeed and they want to see you succeed. And so where there's commonalities, they'll help you and you can help them. I didn't quite expect in my realm about writing about saving saving money that I would have so many other mentors there that I could learn from. But there are because there's so many things I need to know about and there's so many people who've got interesting life stories. It's been fabulous. I have one final question for you, Misty, and this is business cards. I went to a presentation recently where an Instagrammer said, business cards are dead, you just look up people on your phone on Instagram. Do we still need a business card and are there any rules about business cards? Okay, the rule is make sure it's got your name on it, phone number, email address and something about what you do. It might be a business name. For Mm. you, it's a joyful frugalista. That's Mm. what you do. That's that's what you're known for as being the joyful frugalista. 
mine's um, sales trainer, you know, something very basic, Misty Henkel sales trainer. So you pick up the card. If my card was to be dropped on the ground, you pick it up and go, oh, this person's a sales trainer. Yes, they are so, so valuable. And I've run into this with people who, um, yeah, Instagram seems to be the main one where people don't want them. Other people, LinkedIn local, they'll turn around and say, you're on LinkedIn. It's only helpful if you can remember my name when you leave. But if you can't remember my name when you leave, you're never going to find me or look me up. So if I can't remember your name because you didn't give me a card, but I put you in my phone, but I can't remember because you'll get filed amongst everybody else. So if I can't remember your name, you coming out was virtually pointless coming out. Plus, you coming out without a card is as good as wasting my time because if I spend, say, 10 minutes talking to you, let's say I'm there for 30 minutes, and I spend 10 minutes talking to you to find that you don't have any contact details that I can take home, well, then you've wasted my time because I should have been talking to somebody else. Yeah. And don't you hate that at a networking event where someone says, oh, I forgot my business cards, but I'll send you an email. And you know they are not going to do that. I think I've had like about one in a hundred who have actually followed up with an email when they say that. And it's frustrating. Yeah. So so I find people, there's certain people who say, actually, Misty, that that is my way of getting their contact details is by saying, oh, I don't have one, but here I'll follow up with you. And I said, so one is I would never put somebody else in charge of my outcome. So if I'm allowing that person, let's say, Serena, you come out and you don't have a car, say, don't worry, I'll follow up with you. That means you're in charge of my outcome of the event, which means I'm left waiting to hear from you, completely waiting to hear from you. I would never put someone in charge of my outcome and my dreams and my plans. So that's why it's important that you've got one. I could write down on a piece of paper, right, go, oh, look, I don't have a card here, but here's my details, and I can write it down on a scrap piece of paper. I can guarantee you that will get lost. Now, for the cost of a business card, which is about four cents a card, it's the cheapest advertising you'll ever have, you've got to know what to put on it. Again, name, phone number, email address, very basic what you do. Me, sales trainer, you help people save money. It's very simple, right? That is actually a piece of really valuable piece of advertising. Sure, a lot of them are going to go by the wayside, get lost, put on someone's desk and forgotten about to a degree. But every now and then something will go in someone's wallet. Whereas a scrap paper piece of paper is lost, like completely lost. It's getting caught up with something else and thrown away. I actually am such a nightmare when I go out. If you don't have a business card on you, I say, great, you can write me an email right now. <laughs> this is my phone number. This is it. Now you send me a message. I know I've got your details. I think when I met you, I was in the process of doing up new business cards and even then I was a bit scared. But thank you so much, uh, Misty, for sharing your wisdom. I learned so much from you and gained so much confidence in sales and overcoming that anxiety. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I really loved it. Thank you. You've been listening to The Joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. She actually likes everybody. And, of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley. And myself, I'm Joseph McGrail Baitup. you got an accentuate the positive eliminate the negative latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between.